Section twenty three of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section twenty three An Impassioned Wooing. This is the very place for lovers, said Lord Vivian. They had reached an open piece of moorland where the shadows of the tall trees danced on the grass and great sheets of bluebells contrasted with the starry primroses. There was a bank where the wild thyme grew, sheltered by a tall linden tree. Birds seemed to have made their home there, for the summer air resounded with sweet song. Lord Vivian drew aside the fallen branch of a slender willow that she might find room to sit down. The very place for lovers, he repeated she looked at him with a smile but we are not lovers she said therefore this is not the place for us false logic fairest of ladies he replied there is no knowing how soon we may become lovers though i feel sure we did not meet for nothing can a girl have two lovers she asked looking up at him with the frank eyes of an innocent child he laughed that quite depends on the state of one's conscience he replied and the elasticity of one's spirits if two lovers are objectionable the proper thing is to send one away which should be sent away she asked i should say the one that is loved the least tell me now do you really love this country admirer of yours very much i do not understand why you ask me you do not i will tell you because everything that interests you interests me your pains and pleasures would soon be mine i have no pains she said thoughtfully and no pleasures then yours must be a most dull and monotonous life how can you with so keen a capacity for enjoyment how can you bear it i do not bear it very well she replied i am always more or less bad-tempered he laughed again you improve upon acquaintance miss brace you are the first lady whom i have heard plead guilty to a bad temper as a rule women prefer making themselves out to be angelic i am very far from that said doris frankly nor am i naturally bad-tempered it is because nothing in my life pleases or interests me not even your lover he said bending over her and whispering the words she blushed under his keen gaze her words had betrayed more than she meant to betray then he added would you like it changed this dull life of yours into one of fairy brightness i should but it would not be possible my fate in the future is fixed nothing can alter it yes he said gently there is one thing that can alter it and only one your will and mine then he seemed to think for a time he had said enough he looked over the trees and began to talk to her about the flowers doris did not much care about that she had not come out to listen to the praises of flowers she would rather ten thousand times over that her lordly lover had praised herself while he was talking she was thinking of many things was it a dream or a reality that she doris brace daughter of mark and patty brace was really talking to a lord listening to his compliments that he admired her quite as much as earl did it was more like a dream than a reality he who had been half over the world who belonged to the highest society who had seen and known the most beautiful women in england to be talking to her so easily so kindly i must be beautiful thought the girl in her heart or he would never have noticed me then she recalled her wandering thoughts the sun was shining full upon them and all its light seemed to be concentrated in a superb diamond that he wore on his left hand no matter where she looked her eyes seemed to be drawn to that stone the fire of it was dazzling then her eyes wandered over the well-knit figure what a different dress made earl in such garments as these would look like a nobleman her attention was suddenly attracted you do not answer me he was saying 
she looked up at him i beg your pardon she said i was not really listening to you i was telling you that i ought to have left the castle three days ago but i was determined that i would not leave until i had seen you i do not know how i can tear myself away again she blushed crimson could it be possible that he had stayed purposely to see her i should rather think that you stayed to enjoy a little more of lady estella's society she said lady estella he repeated you do not suppose that any one could find pleasure in that perfect icicle icicle i should never give her that name she seemed to me on the contrary most sentimental my dear miss brace he said it is simply impossible that we can be speaking of the same lady i assure you that lady estella hereford is known everywhere as the coldest and proudest of women she has many admirers but i do not think she ever loved any one the girl's eyes were now fixed upon him in perplexity and wonder never in love she repeated why she gave me a long lecture about love and advised me never to marry without it when she spoke of it her face quite changed her eyes lost their indolent expression and filled with light i thought she was the most romantic and sentimental lady i had ever met i can only say that i believe it to be the first romantic idea of her life she is cold reserved high-bred and graceful i admit as for sentiment she has none of it we have evidently seen her from different points of view said doris i wonder which is the correct one i dislike contradicting a lady but must state that i am likely to know her better than you i have known her many years and you have met her once still we differ considerably said doris and you think it possible that i should remain for her sake of all the people in the world she interests me the least she interests me most deeply i thought of fire and ice sun and snow and all kinds of strange contradictions while i talked to her it is for you i remained never mind lady estella we will not waste the sunny hours of this lovely morning talking about her you have not told me yet if you prefer this country admirer of yours to all the world if you do there remains for me nothing except to take up my hat and go i know how useless it is even to attempt to win even one corner of a preoccupied heart why should you wish to win one corner of mine she asked stealing from underneath her long lashes one sweet subtle glance that was like fire to him why he replied passionately because i long to win your whole heart and soul your whole love and affection for myself i cannot rest i know no peace no repose i think of nothing but you why should i not win your heart if i can she shrank back trembling blushing the fire and passion of his words scared her your face haunts me i see it wherever i gaze he continued your voice haunts me i hear it in every sound i would fain win you if i can for my own but if you tell me that you love you this country admirer of yours this man to whom a perverse fate has bound you if you tell me that i will go and i will never tease you again then she knew that she held the balance of her life in her own hands and that whole of her future rested with herself should she be true to will say she loved him and so lose the chance of winning this love from a lord and resign herself to the quiet dull monotonous life or should she cast him from her and betray him one word only one word whispered lord vivian bending his evil handsome face over her you think such a question can be answered in a minute she said it is impossible i can only say this that i liked him better than any one else one short month ago he grasped her hand and held it tightly clasped in his own you say that you admit that much oh doris the rest shall follow i will not leave downsbury until i have won the rest then his eyes fell upon the diamond ring shining and scintillating in the sun a sudden thought struck him he held her white hand in his own and looked at it as he held it up to the light how fine and transparent he said i can see every vein such a hand ought to be covered with jewels she was of the same opinion herself 
then he drew off the diamond ring that shone like a flame on his own finger he looked entreatingly at her i wonder he said if you'll be angry this was my mother's ring and i prize it more than i do anything in the wide world i am afraid promise me you will not be angry it was to say the least of it a great stretch of imagination lord charles vivian would never have troubled himself to have worn his mother's ring but even he bold and adventurous as he was thought some little preamble necessary before he offered her so valuable a gift there is a strange sad love story connected with it he said which i will tell you some day but it is dear to me because it was my mother's ring then he drew it from his finger i should like to see how it looks on that pretty white hand of yours he said laughingly and as he spoke he drew the ring on her finger it shone and glanced like fire the sunbeams seemed to concentrate themselves on it and certainly the beautiful white hand looked the lovelier for the ring he looked at it admiringly you were born to wear jewels he said you ought never to be without them she laughed with the faintest tinge of bitterness i do not see from whom i am to get them she said as my wife you could get them and everything that your heart could wish think of it and compare a life of ease and luxury with your dull existence here you will let me see you again i have so much to say to you yes she replied i will see you if i can get away from home you can always do that then he held the little hand even more tightly in his own i am half afraid he said quietly but i wish that you would allow me to offer you this ring she looked at him suddenly and with a burning flush on her face to me she said hesitatingly yes if you will only make me happy by accepting it as a little memento of the day which we first met but it is so costly it is so very valuable if it were not it would not be worth offering to you he replied i should be so happy if you would wear it it is the first time a jewel has given me such pleasure how can i wear such a splendid ring she said every one who sees it will wonder where it came from you'll be able to manage that he replied you are so clever i cannot doubt your skill say you will accept it doris she was quite silent for some minutes then a low voice whispered to her i will hang jewels more costly than this on your beautiful neck and round your white arms you shall be crowned with diamonds if you will see how marvellously fair it makes that sweet hand of yours jewels crown a beautiful woman with the glory nothing else can give you above all others ought to be so crowned for there is no other woman so fair the flush died from her face she had not quite made up her mind there came before her a vision of her past lover with his wild worship his passionate love of all the vows and promises she had made to him of his trust and faith in her if she took this lord's ring and promised to meet him again it meant forsaking earl besides he had spoken of making her his wife was he in earnest she rose hurriedly from her seat he saw that her lips quivered and her hands trembled she was agitated and confused give me time she said you frighten me i can hardly understand i must go now they will think i am lost he rose with her and stood by her side you will keep the ring doris for my sake in memory of the time when i first saw you i will keep it she replied hastily oh lord vivian let me go i am frightened this is so different to being with earl let me go you will meet me again he urged say on friday you will not refuse at the same time and same place i will lavish the luxury of the whole world on you if you will only care for me but now that her ambition was satisfied was realized she was frightened at her own success and hastened away End of section twenty three.